0: This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 189. Let's go. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where
1: it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host. It took him over a year to figure out what the cloud was, Pat Flynn.
0: Now, as you know, This is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Through the host, Buzzsprout, you can automatically optimize your audio through their newest feature, Magic Mastering. You can actually get 33% more time on your plan, whichever plan you choose, just through this link alone. And that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And that's a huge deal, 33% extra time on your plan just by going through that link. You can claim that again by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Check them out. They're awesome. What's up, everybody? Paplin here. Thank you so much for joining me in session 189 of the Smart Passive Income podcast. Uh, I'm very thankful for you, and I just wanted to mention that because it is Thanksgiving week, the week that this episode comes out. Uh, If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, Thanksgiving's tomorrow. So I hope you guys are enjoying family, and if you wanted to just take a minute to pause and, you know, you could re-listen to this later on. After you spend time with family, I mean that's the most important thing. But you know what? You guys are family too, so you're more than welcome to spend time with me. I'm here for you. I'm here to serve you. And although I'm not serving you a turkey dinner, I'm going to serve you uh, some great content here in this particular episode because today we're talking with Aaron Walker from ViewFromTheTop.com, and uh, Aaron is somebody who I met at a conference actually, and I met him through a question he asked on a microphone when I was speaking. And actually, it wasn't a question; it was just a compliment and. It really stood out to me because uh, here he is, an older, older guy, older generation entrepreneur, and, and he talks about this on the show and how long he's been doing it. He's been doing entrepreneurship for decades, and uh, he has connections and is in a mastermind group with several high level people, people like Dave Ramsey, and a lot of you know who that person is. And um, wow, just incredible wisdom from Mr. Aaron Walker here. And when he stood up to uh, go to the m- microphone at this conference I was at, I had talked about Mastermind Groups. This was at Social Media Marketing World here in San Diego. And I had given this presentation on Mastermind Groups and he came up to to the microphone and I thought he was gonna ask a question like everybody else, but he, got, he just came up to essentially validate everything I had just said. And it was one of the co- coolest things somebody has ever done during a QA and a for me. And uh, he was like, yeah, you gotta listen to everything Pat said. I've been doing entrepreneurship for decades. I'm in a mastermind group, and I've gotten so much out of my mastermind group. So we're going to talk with Aaron Walker today about what he's gotten from his mastermind groups and what it's been like to be in those groups and and some of the uh, hard things that have happened in his life that his mastermind group really helped him with. Now, this isn't a conversation just about mastermind groups. I want to talk about business in general and what Aaron has learned over time. I mean, I think it's always important to see people who have been doing something for a very long time and who are very successful with it and just, Get as much information out of them as possible and have them share in their own words and their own stories exactly how uh, it all happened so we can all learn from the wins and the failures. And this is why I do what I do on my site, and and, and Aaron's doing that here on the show for you today. So without further ado, here's Aaron Walker from viewfromthetop.com, probably one of my most favorite conversations of the year. Hey everybody, what's up? I am here with Aaron Walker from viewfromthetop.com. Aaron, welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Thanks, Pat. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if you remember this. You probably do because it actually wasn't that long ago. But my first interaction with Aaron for everybody out uh, out there listening right now was was – A great one. And I'm smiling right now because I I remember the exact moment. I was in a room in San Diego uh, at a convention and I was giving my talk on mastermind groups. And at the end, we do a little Q&A and Aaron gets the microphone. He's what I think he's going to do is ask a question, but he actually just gives me a compliment. And he talks about the fact that because my presentation was about mastermind groups, the fact that everything I said was true, that everybody should listen to everything I pretty much said, and that you had been doing masterminds for over 20 years now yourself, and, and you contribute a lot of your own entrepreneurial success to the mastermind groups you were in. So before anything, before we get into your story and and, and, and some tips and, and talking about living a significant life to masterminds, to entrepreneurship in general, just thank you for doing that in front of everybody. Man, I just, I'm so happy to have got, uh, gotten to know you since then.
1: You know, it was true, though, man. You rocked it. I mean, you had a room full of people, and you got up there, and I was wanting to high-five you every five (laughs) minutes. It was like, man, Pat is rocking the room. I've been involved in these groups for two-plus decades, and everything he's saying, you know, is spot on. Yeah, Well, let's start at the beginning. I mean, you have been doing business for over
0: 37 years as an entrepreneur. You've been in mastermind groups for over 20, you say. So you have a ton of experience. I know that everybody's going to pull a lot of inspiration and, and wisdom and strategies from. So let's go from the beginning. Like, where did you get get started with all this?
1: You know, I'm a native Nashvilleian. I'm soon to be 55 years old, and I started early. My dad got me to help him one summer when I was 13 years old, remodel a pawn shop. I never even heard of a pawn shop. (laughs) At 15, fell in love with that business. At 18, I went up and introduced myself to a couple of guys that had been buying diamonds and gold for me for about two years kind of hedging against inflation. They were in the insurance agency. And I approached them one day and I said, listen, I don't have any money, but I've got experience and I want to go in business with you guys. And they said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 18. And they said, we've never had an 18 year old approach us. And I said, "This is the first time for everything, you know. (laughs) He said, well, let's talk about it. So I went to his office. We talked about it. Make a long story short, we formed a partnership he said, I want your name on the line. We got the money, but I want you to go to the bank with us and sign a note. I said, I'll sign it. I don't have anything to lose. You know, I came from a family with very humble background. And I said, let's do it. So we did. We signed a 10-year loan. Uh, we borrowed $150,000. You know, that was a lot of money in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of money today. But uh, so we did. And the Lord just really blessed our business. And in 36 months, Pat, we paid off a $150,000 loan. Wow. I got, got married in the process, and uh, we went on to do that four more times until I was 27 years old. Wow. What, what was it exactly that you were doing back then? Well, I, I had a pawn shop, and we opened our own pawn shop. Ah, okay. And I didn't even know what a pawn shop was at the time. And then <laughs> you we go. opened it. It became very successful, and we grew large pawn shops. And then a Fortune 500 company in Fort Worth, Cash America, they came to me and said, we want to buy you out. you got great stores. We want to be in Nashville. We're growing through acquisition and we want to be here it's better for us to pay more and grow through acquisition than it is to start up. And so I said I don't want to sell. I'm 27. What am I going to do? And they said we don't care what you do. You know, here's here's the money. And I said I'm I'm not interested. So we did that dance for about 6 months and finally one day they came in they said listen, we want to be here and we want your stores. You got the best stores in Nashville. We want to be here. He said hypothetically if you were going to sell what would the number be? And I said well now's my chance to get rid of them and I quoted a number and they said we'll take it. Nice. And I'm like breaking out in a cold sweat. Now I'm like, what do I do? And like, well, you're going to sell it. And so anyway, yeah, I don't want to make this whole thing about me, Pat. I want to talk about other guys and how they can do the same thing. You know, I don't want it to be just centrally focused on me and my success. I want to serve your audience. And thank you. So if there's things that I can tell tips, things that I did, I'm happy to, but I don't want you know, the central focus to be all about me.
0: Yeah. Well, well thank you for that. And let's go back to the mastermind groups. What was your first experience with mastermind groups? It surprised me because I haven't really heard of anybody being in a mastermind group for this long. And I didn't even know what they were until, you know, just when I was starting online six, seven years ago. So, you know, obviously it's been around for a while. Napoleon Hill, Think Grow Rich and that, that sort of thing. What was your first experience with mastermind groups? And I think along the lines of serving the audience, kind of talk about Maybe some fears you had or kind of how you found people? Because I think that's something that most people struggle with because they – I think everybody listening to this knows the power of connecting with other people. But when it comes down to the work of doing that, it it can be very difficult, very nerve-wracking, and and people just don't do it.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I have to go back quite a ways to 1995, and I'm at a Chamber of Commerce uh, breakfast early one morning. There's this guy up there talking, and he's telling about a radio station – that he's starting a show here in Nashville, and um, I heard him speak, and he sounded interesting, you know, and I went up afterwards and introduced myself, and he introduced himself, and I said, I've got a new store I just built. You know, we bought this property. We tore it down. We built a big 10,000-foot pawn shop, state-of-the-art. He came down and looked at it. And he said, I love this place. He said, why don't you advertise with me on this show? And I said, what is your name? And he told me, I said, never heard of you, and he said, I'm just starting, and I would love for you to be one of my sponsors, I said, no way. No, no, thank you. I'm not interested. And he said, well, listen, what if I give you a week free? And I'm thinking, I'm a smart business guy. That don't take long. Okay, so I'll do that. (laughs) That was my first encounter with Dave Ramsey. And Dave was the person. He had started in Nashville. He was on one station here in Nashville. And we struck up a friendship out of that. Three days into the advertising, I signed up for an annual renewal contract. I said, I don't know what you're feeding these people, but it's working, and so I've been on Dave's show now every day for 20 years, either a business I own or have owned, and we just struck up a friendship, so one day he saw me at a concert. He walked up to me, and he said, Aaron, he said, we've started a mastermind group. I said, Dave, what is that? And he said, it's where guys get together. We encourage each other. We have accountability. We share resources, and I want you to be a part of it, and I said, I don't know anything about it, but I'll come sit in, so I went, and there were other guys in there. Dan Miller, 48 Days to the Work You Love. Dave. Mm-hmm. Dan's been one of my personal mentors now for 15 years. I love Dan. He's an awesome guy. He's the reach I'm coaching now. But uh, Dave Ramsey, of course, is in there. It's in his office. And then Ken Abraham is in there. Ken has uh, got 100 books in print. He's uh, He writes biographies like Payne Stewart, and John Ashcroft, George Foreman, Joel Osteen, Lisa Beamers, Let's Roll book. He's got over 100 books in print. So he's in the room. And I'm like man, this is an impressive room. But at the time, you know, Dave was just starting and he wasn't who he is now. He's on 800 stations now, you know, he's he's mm-hmm. a big deal. He wasn't then. A lot of people say, well, I would have joined that group too with those guys. Well, they were just starting, you know, their professions as well. They were just really, Dan was just getting really good and going. And, and so we went together, we formed these relationships and these bonds. And it does take a lot of time, Pat, you're right, because I was a little skittish, you know, I didn't know these guys and it takes time. Mm -hmm. I'm a long-termer. You know, I look at everything long-term. And so I'm thinking, well, they're good guys and we're going to spend some time together. And That's what we did. And we just offered accountability to each other, encouragement and resources and connections, and they challenge you to go to new heights. And, you know, they're non-biased. That's the thing I like most about mastermind groups. See, they can tell me the truth. They're trusted advisors because whatever they tell me, they have nothing to gain or lose as a result of the outcome. Mm -hmm. And so then you're going to get an honest answer. Do you remember a specific thing that the mastermind group that you were involved with really helped you out on? Maybe
0: you were struggling with something and maybe you can give some details on that?
1: Yeah, I can. There's a couple of things. I was going through a really dark time uh, in those years, you know, soon thereafter. But back in 2001, Pat, I don't even know if I've mentioned this to you, Pat. uh, I was headed to the office in 2001 and I hit a pedestrian and killed him. Oh and gosh. it rocked my world forever. Matter of fact, I sold out, I retired, I quit. I, I cashed it all in for about five years. Well, you you don't get over that. You know, you just don't one day say, oh, okay, because this guy had a family and, you know, children. And you know, I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know, how, how am I going to get through this? Well, those guys... Uh, right after that happened, you know, they're rallying around me. They're helping me. They're talking through it. They're eating lunch with me. I've got an accountability group that is coming to my aid, and it takes years, you know, Mm -hmm. to work through that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, if I didn't have guys like that, I don't know what I would do. You know, I guess you would just have your family support, and that would be it. But men really need other men that can pour into them and can help them. Ladies need other ladies. You know, we need people that can come along and say, don't do that, do more of this. I was at Ace Hardware one day, and my phone rang. as a guy named James Ryle. James was in my group, and I looked at the phone, and I thought, this is interesting. We don't talk to each other on the weekends. Went outside. I said, yeah, James. He said, Aaron, I know you've been struggling for a long time with this situation, this decision. And he said, uh, you're wearing the crap out of everybody around you. And it <laughs> made me mad. I said, what? He said, nobody wants to be around you. You won't get over it. He said, you know, the guys in this group are Christians as I am. And he said, it says in the book of Isaiah in the Bible, take the chains from around your neck and let's move on. He said, it's time for you to move on. He said, I got to go. I'll see you and hung up. Wow. And I'm standing there in the parking lot and I want to bite a nail into. I'm, so bad. <laughs> I'm like, and then I think, you know what? He's invested all these years in me. Mm-hmm. He had the privilege and the ability and the right to say that. Because he'd invested all this time and he knew I needed a push. Well, those are two very extreme, isolated incidents. For me personally, you said how they help you work through tragedies. That right there alone was worth the decade Mm. plus that I was in that group. Just them walking through those two dark times in my life. Aaron, thank you for for being honest and
0: and sharing all that with us. I'm literally tearing up right now just because... Anyway, just thank you. I think this just just shows the power of Mastermind Group connecting with other people and what it's like to have real support. And I know that if somebody else in the group were in a similar situation, you would pick up the phone and tell them the brutally honest advice that they need to hear as well.
1: Hey, you know what happens in that environment? It's a safe environment. And those guys, of course, run very large businesses now and We all do okay. But there's some things that you just can't talk to maybe your staff about, maybe your leadership about. But it's kind of like having your own board of directors. You've got a safe environment. We even signed a document stating that these things are private in nature. You're not going to hear about it at the coffee shop. You know, we made a commitment and a vow to keep the things that we talked about in that room. Very safe environment. The first year or two, it was like, don't tell anybody this. Don't, you know, you'll get me in trouble (laughs) but it got to a point where you didn't have to uh, to say that. You just said, hey, Pat, this is the deal, man. This is hard. I don't know what to do. I need you guys to pour into me. Everybody needs that safe environment. You can do that. The listeners listening right now, you don't have to be a big-time business guy, running a million dollar business. You can be a guy that works for somebody. You can have a small, you can be a solopreneur. Just get yourself around some guys that have the same core values yeah. that have the same dynamics that they can be very diverse. We were very diverse. We had accountants in there and we had guys, you know, like Dave running big businesses. We were very diverse, but we all had the common goals, the common morality, our values were the same and we were all wanting to grow, go forward. We were willing to subject ourselves to scrutiny, right? Mm-hmm. I mean you you can't have a a, a little thin backbone. You got to be able to man up in there and say, <laughs> "Okay, I'm going to trust you." Recently, I was going to do a deal And my wife said, what about your guys? What'd they say? And I said, well, I haven't talked to them yet. And I went to them individually. We were going to do the deal. And I went to them individually. 11 of 12 guys said, don't do it. I never saw that. See, they were looking at it through a different lens, right? Different life experiences. And they said, if you do that, this will happen. And I'm like, man, I didn't even think about that. Thank you. They've saved me so many times. That's the reason I'm a huge proponent for mastermind groups. They keep you in the center of the road. They encourage you when you need it, and they stop you when you need when you're going the wrong places. I mean, amen to that. I I have been saved several times from other
0: people I've associated myself with in the mastermind groups that I'm a part of. That's why I'm in, in many mastermind groups because I, I I need this, and I feel like it's easy to get off track. But when you have the right people in place to help you, kind of balance back up, it's it's you're on your way to to, to things that are great. Now, besides mastermind groups, however, which I know you know is a great and important part of being becoming a successful business owner and entrepreneur. I know that too, and I think everybody else gets that. What else, in your eyes, is an important component of becoming successful?
1: You know, when I was young, my mom would never allow us to say can't. And I didn't understand until later. And she had this little saying, she said, can't couldn't do it, and could did it all. And I'm like, it was goofy at the time. <laughs> but I've made it kind of a life mantra. And I'm thinking you know what? It's attitude. It's the only thing that we're in 100% control over. A lot of the things happen to us in our life that we can't control, but the way we respond, we can control. And I saw through my mom's living this out saying, you may not be able to do it, but you're going to try. Well, through that process, it built up a lot of self-esteem. I developed a lot of self-confidence. And so it allowed me to go out and do other things that I might not try otherwise. One of the key components for me in being a successful entrepreneur is having a mindset of I can do that, not I can't do that. Another thing is I fear missing an opportunity more than I fear failure. And that's the biggest component for people that holds them down. They're afraid they'll fail. My daughters used to come to me. I have a daughter, 32, 129. They'd say, Dad, I'd like to do this, but I'm afraid I might fail. I said, Brooke or Holly, I said, failing is in not trying not in not succeeding. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, I would hate to lay in the bed at night thinking, would it have worked? That would, Pat, I don't know about you, that would drive me crazy. I couldn't stand to think, would it have worked? Most people are afraid they'll fail and their neighbors are gonna be talking about them. Let me just tell you, your neighbors are not that concerned about what you're doing. (laughs) If you think you're, you know, the topic of conversation at the dinner table, you're not. So get over that part of it. And I say, fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure. I love that. I mean, one of my sayings is I would much rather live a life full of oh wells than a life full of what ifs. I know that would be a bummer. That would be the ultimate drag to me to live a life and then not know if it would have ever worked. The other thing is to be steady, be consistent and be dependable. You know, used to my dad raised me some. When you shake hands with a man, you say I'm going to do something. You better do it. There better be a you better be dead (laughs) if you don't go through with doing it. And consistent. Even today, like I said, I'll soon be fifty-five years old. Even today with my business, I'm very regimented, kind of methodical, and I work through things. The consistency, doing the mundane things every day, even though you're not seeing the grass grow yet, keep throwing the seed. It's gonna come up. You throw enough seed, it's gonna it's gonna come up. Be steady, be consistent, be dependable. I love
0: that. These are things that I'm trying to instill into my son right now. My son's five. We don't let him use the can't word either. We um the never word. It's 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 can't yet. We always add that yet part. And whenever he says he can't do something can't do something, I always look at him like, You gotta finish that sentence yet. And then he, he, he continues to try and he's getting there, he's five, he's young, and so he's you know, that fear is kind of naturally getting into him now and I'm trying to get get it out get it out of him. So um I I appreciate all this
1: advice. Yeah, here's the thing, Pat, why why not ask yourself this question, why not me? You know, if you don't ask, the answer is always no, right? Mm -hmm. All they can do is say no, they can't eat you up, you know. But if you don't ask, you'll never get the opportunity. Same as you, you know, I talked to you in San Diego and then we talked at Podcast Movement and I'm like, you know, let me talk to Pat, maybe I can be on the show. And we struck up a conversation. If I'd never approached you, never met you, never asked the question, it wouldn't be happening today. My point is, is that don't be afraid of rejection, That's been one of my biggest strengths forever in business. Yeah, you may get rejected. So what? So let's do it again. You know, it's like, like you said, it's no for now. When people tell me no, it's like, no, he just means no right now. (laughs) I'm not through yet. My wife uses it against me, Pat. She'll know. She knows how they, we've been married 35 years now. And she'll come up and she'll say, I'm not sure you can do that. And I'm like, don't do that. She's, and I can't get over it either because I have to do it and show her, yes, I can do it. You know, I can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The other thing is being proactive. I want your listeners to be proactive, not reactive. Most people live a life looking in the rearview mirror. You know, If I'd have done this, if I'd have done that, well, you look forward. You know, I say that's why the windshield is so big and the rearview mirror is so little. You need to spend a lot more time looking forward rather than looking back. So be proactive. I created a document called What Do I Want? Most people say, I'm gonna make enough money and then I'll decide how I'm gonna live. And Robin and I have always delayed gratification. We've always said, Let's wait, you know, just a little while, because if you delay the gratification, chances are you're going to use it longer and you'll use it more because you'll think through the process. So we've always said, we're going to, that's the reason a fortune 500 company bought my business. See, I could have bought a bigger house. I could have bought a bigger, whatever, shinier object, but instead I put the money back into the company and we opened a second store and then we paid it off. And then we saved the money. We bought a third store and then we bought a fourth store. If I had increased my, you know, size of my house or whatever, In the early stages, I could have afforded it, but I wouldn't have the money to put back in the business. Mm -hmm. So think long term and decide what you want. Robin and I would sit on the porch and we'd say, What do we want it to look like in 90 days, a year from now, two years from now, when we retire? How much money do we want to have? How much passive income do we need? How do we want to live our life and tailor our purchases based on how we wanted to live. So we delay gratification and then really save up and get what we wanted. It's just all a mindset. It's how we look at things.
0: Yeah. I mean, the mindset's huge in terms of getting into
1: the specifics, though. And okay,
0: be proactive. How do we know what to do next? I think that's another thing that a lot of us struggle with is figuring out that one thing we need to work on. Obviously, there's a lot of bright lights out there to try to distract us. But when it comes down to it, how do we know if what we're working on is actually what's going to be moving the needle for us?
1: You know, one of the good books I've read recently, Greg McCowan wrote called Essentialism. And yeah. it really oh, yeah. is a great, I'm sure you've read it. It's a great book. Matter of fact, I need to contact Greg. I've sold so many of these books he needs to give me an affiliate <laughs> or something. But I wished I did, but I've sold a bunch of these books. But the truth is that uh, we've got to decide on the non-essentials and focus on the vital few. You know, in Greg's book, he talks about we can't do 15 things. We can only do two or three things really well. We've got to niche down and really do those things well. And Greg teaches us how to do that. We could be doing a million things. And I know in the world you and I live in, there is no ceiling. The opportunities are endless. Mm -hmm. And if you get bogged down in trying to do all these things or all the social media platforms, all the courses, all the books, all the shows, you're not going to be good at any of them. And see, I'd rather take a little bit of energy and pour into one or two things and be an inch wide and a mile deep. Now I'm an expert. Now I can dictate getting top dollar for whatever it is I'm doing because I'm the best. See, I want to be the best at whatever I'm doing. You can't do that if you're doing 15 things. So the next best thing is to prioritize. Really write down on a yellow pad the things that you want to do and then go through them and prioritize them. If I could only do 10, what would it be? And then narrow it down. Get the top three and go with it yeah i mean it's 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 difficult to do too and i and, and I know in that book, for example, he
0: kind of has you rate the things that are going on in your life or these decisions you have to make in, in, from a scale from one to ten. And, you know, everything underneath seven, it's easy to get rid of. You know, you could see it there on paper. Yeah. Why am I even focusing on that? You can get rid of them. And the nines and tens, those are the things that you obviously want to keep because they're most important to you or they're going to make the m- needle move the most. But then it's the sevens and eights that really seem to struggle people wi- with people. And, and, and that's what holds people back because they seem like they, they might be easier to do or they're they're, they're closer But that's not what we need. And and how do we let go of the things that could help us, that we could get a result from, that might not be what we need to do right now?
1: Well, what I do is go back to the mastermind group. I go to the trusted advisors and I'll go to these 10 or 12 guys and I'll say, hey, these are what I'm thinking about doing. This is the process by which I'm thinking about it. Shoot it down. I'll go to my accountability group. I have three guys that I meet with every Thursday morning. We sit for an hour and a half. We talk about these things. As I said earlier in the group, you know, I'm a Christian, and so I pray and I read the Scripture. So I have the counsel of the multitudes of Mm. the people. I Mm -hmm. go through prayer. I go through Scripture. I consult my wife, and then uh, I fire the gun and ride the bullet. You know, I pick out (laughs) one of them and I do it. And so you you can you're going to sit there and starve in indecision. You're going to go. You know, you're going to work through your whole life and never have pulled the trigger. So I'm just saying, do that. Get the people around you. Help them. You know, go through the process with them. Get a general consensus. Love that.
0: And I know I know you've you've learned a lot of these things that have been struggles for people over time through through your coaching and stuff. Your life and business coach now as well. And I, and, and I'd love to talk to you about the practice of building a business around life coaching and and you know being a coach in general. Just how do you guide people and all those sorts of things? Because I know there's a lot of people in the audience listening right now. They're doing one-on-ones with people they're trying to help people through their health and fitness they're trying to help people do these other things or accomplish something and we've talked a lot about the mindset as well but in terms of creating a business under that how do, do you have any tips for anybody out there like say for example Aaron I decided that I wanted to start you know coaching individuals and how do I go about doing that in the best way possible that you know not only helps the most people but also can help me make
1: a, a great living as well well, the process by which I've elected to do this, quite honestly, Pat, I wasn't even going to do this. And Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller said, Aaron, you've got 30 plus years of business. They've all been successful. You've had eight businesses. You and Robin have been married 35 years. You need to go pour into some guys. I said, I am not coaching. I'm retiring at 50. I'm done. <laughs> and I did. I sold my business. I had a construction company. It was the last company I owned for about eight years. We built high-end Uh, houses and small commercial and uh, we were number one three consecutive years here in middle tennessee so we built a great business doing that and it was built on relationships you know customer service the stuff that really matters and so what i do now is i interview the people and there's somebody recently that said i don't think i'm a good fit for you you know i'm an entrepreneur you're you know been in education for all these years and you've done great we think differently so you've got to evaluate the person you want to be sure that you give them great value a guy recently came to me and he said, I want to be a business coach. And I said, Well, convince me that you, you know, know what you're doing. I said, How many businesses have you owned? He said, Well, I've not owned a business. I said, Well, why do I want to hire you if you never owned a business said, to be a business coach? And he laughed. He said, I get your point. So the credentials are experience, first of all. You know, the second thing is is having a genuine heart to help people. You really gotta care about that person. And it's not just about the transaction of getting the money. That's where I've been the most successful in my business is trying to meet the needs of the person. If you'll listen, stop waiting your turn to talk and really engage with the person, they'll tell you exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. And all you got to do is fill the order. And so if they want to be held accountable, which is the biggest part of coaching is the accountability aspect. A lot of people know the answer, but they don't have the stamina to stay with it. And motivation is a big thing, but motivation is an exhaustible resource. It's just like anything, it wears out. You can only run on motivation so long. What you need is a well-executed plan. And a coach can help you get that and keep you on task. So the accountability working through that process is number one. Love that. How do you hold people accountable? What are some ways that you
0: can increase the likelihood that somebody you are coaching is actually gonna follow through?
1: Well, first of all, they're paying me you know, pretty good money. <laughs> and so that's a real incentive. And if they don't want to do the work, it's like, hey, you know, just send me another check then. And so that's a big accountability is when they're paying you. The second thing is, Pat, you know, well as I do, if you and I are sitting here talking, and you say, Aaron, I want to do really good. I want a date night with my wife and I want to take my son to a ball game twice a month. And I want you to hold me accountable. And we meet 30 days from now and I say, how many date nights, how many ball games you go to with your son? I didn't do too well. And I'm like, man, we're not doing this. I mean, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right? We're going to play ball. We're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Next month, you don't want to come in there and tell me that again, right? You you just don't. You're not going to look at me as another man and go, hey, I'm a loser. You know, I just don't do anything I say. You're going to do it. Then it's going to work. And Miss Flynn's going to say, hey, I kind of like this date night. Uh, Pat, you're now a hero. And so now <laughs> you're going to take her out again. You know, Charles Duhigg wrote a great book called The Power of Habit.
0: One of my favorites. And,
1: yeah, it's awesome. And so it tells us in there how to break old habits and Uh, implement new ones. And so in that process, by me holding you accountable, we've taken people that had 10-year-old businesses and we've doubled their revenue in 18 months, simply working through the process of getting rid of the motivation, because I don't care about motivation. What I care about is a well-executed plan. You know, if I want to get the mail, I don't have to get hyped up to go out to the mailbox. I've got to say, I've got to put my left foot in front of my right one 50 times and I'll be at the mailbox. Same way with business. If we say we need to contact this many people and you get somebody to hold you accountable to contact that many people, you know, the law of averages are that there's going to be a certain amount of sales made as a direct result out of it. Mm -hmm. It's the same way with any service industry or any widget that you're trying to sell. It's just applying the basic fundamentals and the principles of executing a well thought out plan. And that's what business coaches and personal coaches do. By the way, I do date nights with my wife every Thursday. Just so you know. You're a hero. Dude. just <laughs> thinks you're a hero. That's good. But good d- for you. But I
0: do need to do the baseball games. And my son, like I said, he's five. He's about that age now. He'll, he'll, he'll really enjoy it. And we're playing catch in the backyard. So it's about hey, time.
1: Now I'm your new accountability partner. So you just told me I got to <laughs> do this. So I'm going to be checking on you periodically. I want to go back to,
0: you mentioned price point. The first thing you said was, you know, he or she's paid me very well. And I think that's a, a really important point. And so when it comes to the services that we can provide for people, I feel like a lot of people undervalue themselves and they might be kicking themselves because of it or actually shooting themselves in the foot is what I meant to say, because their perceived value is there. People aren't going to be held as accountable if you're only paying, for example, for a coach, 50 bucks a month for for, you know, a call here and there.
1: Yeah. The perceived value is really, really important. I have a personal coach that was head of psychology at Baylor University, and he helped me work through that process. I even have coaches. I still have coaches. You know, I do LinkedIn coaches, Twitter coaches, mental coaches. I hire coaches because I've got to continue on. Fresh myself, yeah. and so I'm a big believer in continuing education. I read constantly, I love to read, and through that process, you just learn the accountability of the perceived value is if you do you know you go into an electronics store and there's a TV it's a thousand bucks, and the one next to it is two thousand. Well, if you don't know anything about electronics, you just assume naturally the one's two thousand got to be twice as good, so if you can afford it, give me that one it's the same way with everything. See what's harder to get over? is if I said, Pat, I've got a new 550 Mercedes and I can get it for you for $12,000. Your first question is, is what's wrong with <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's much harder to overcome that obstacle than it is paying more. It's paying too little. You know there's something wrong, but you can't figure it out. But eventually you convince yourself it's worth paying more. So most people undervalue themselves. Most people don't get the client's. The person that can charge the most and be the most confident as a result of it gets the most clients, whatever you're doing. See, people buy confidence, and if you don't have any confidence and you look down and you quote your price and you're apologizing, they're never go- you're never going to sell them. But if you say, I'm $3 and I'm worth it, and this is what I can do for you, people will buy that all day long. There was a shop in North Dakota that hired me, and he said, you've been in this business all these years. We're only three years old. At the end of the six months, he said, you took us from three years old to 10 years old. See, there was a fee he paid me. And he even said, I didn't pay you enough because you took us, you're eliminated seven years because you've done this. Why do we want to spend seven years learning the mistakes like you did? So let's capitalize on what you know. People pay for what you know, not by the hour. Yeah. Well, I love that.
0: Now, you've been doing business for a while, like you said, over 37 years, Things have changed over time and, and they're changing all the time. How do, how do we make sure that we continue to, you know, serve our audience in a way that kind of is how they want to be served, depending on how things have changed? Like how, what, what are the things that are making you successful, no matter whether you were 18 back in the day or you're 55 today? How, how, like, what are the things that we can always take with us, no matter where we're at, no matter what technologies around us, to make sure we succeed?
1: There's one thing that absolutely without a question is being paramount for me, and that's building relationships intentionally with the Internet, without the Internet. Nothing takes the place of pressing the flesh. You know, I was at Podcast Movement and Michael Stelzner came over and we were talking and he said, Aaron, why are you here? You don't even have a podcast. (laughs) And I grabbed his shoulder and I said, because I can't do this from home. And he looked at me and smiled. He said, you're exactly right. And I said, listen, we've got a relationship. I couldn't come up to you and say, Pat, what a great job you did in the mastermind group talk today. I couldn't have done that sitting at home. I couldn't do that over the internet. I was there in person. I could shake your hand. We could do a picture together. We united, you know, we bonded right there. You know, you can't do that. I don't care what you're doing in the internet. Nothing takes the place in one-on-one. When my dad passed away in 2006, I'll tell you a quick little story. My dad never was a businessman. He didn't know anything about making money. But my dad loved people, and I watched him my entire life. And I didn't realize it until his funeral. 2006, I stood at his casket with my two brothers and my sister and my mom, and we greeted people walking in. Now, Pat, my dad never made over $15,000 a year in his life, ever. My dad had no money. He wanted to hunt and fish, and he loved people. It was six and a half hours, the line. It was an hour and a half wait to pay their condolences. The line was to the parking lot of the funeral home for six and a half hours. People came through that line, 18 years old to 75 years old. They stood at my dad's casket and they said, let me tell you what your dad did for me. Let me tell you how your dad impacted my life. Let me tell you how your dad was there for me when I need him. Pat, not one person said your dad had a nice boat, a nice house, a nice car, but they said your dad impacted our life. Well, to me, that says that relationships are paramount in everything that we do. If not one person was interested in his tangible possessions and they were only interested in his relationships, why do we spend 95% of our time trying to build bigger houses, get faster cars, et cetera, et cetera? Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying anything is wrong with gaining more possessions, period. But we don't spend enough time building relationships that are lasting, just like in the mastermind groups, just like with your wife, with your son, the things that really matter. If you knew today that it was your last day, I promise you the house wouldn't be of interest. It would be the loved ones. It would be the people. It would be the relationships, your peers, your colleagues. It would be the people. And I want people to be successful. I want them to make money. I love to make money. I hate it when people have money and they say money's not important. I want to say you liar. It is important. But just don't make it number one. Just don't make it priority, right? Let's put people at priority in number one. If you do that, then you've lived successfully and you've also lived significantly. So just put the relationships as number one.
0: Aaron, thank you for that. And I think that would be a great place to to stop the show and have people think about that because that's really important. So Aaron, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your education today. If you wanted to share where people can find out more about you, please do so.
1: Yeah, I would love to do that. Pat, I've got a little gift for your audience. It's uh, documents that I use every day that I wrote. One is called a personal assessment where you really dive deep and you look at yourself. Mm-hmm. The other one is, I've already explained, what do I want? There's a three-page document that you go through and you specify exactly a life you want to live. And then the third document's called steps to a productive day. And it's to help you once you realize who you are and what you want, then you can implement it on a daily. I've taken the price off. They're free and you can find them at viewfromthetop.com forward slash S-P-I, all in lowercase. You go there, you download them, you use them. And I hope it's a catalyst to take your life to the next level so you can live a life of success and significance. Pat, you're awesome, man. Thank you for having me
0: on your show. Thank you. You're awesome too, Aaron. So that's viewfromthetop.com slash SPI. Thanks, Aaron. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Aaron Walker. Again, you can find him at viewfromthetop.com. And actually, he has some giveaways and special freebies for us if you go to viewfromthetop.com slash SPI. Ah, again, that's viewfromthetop.com slash SPI. He mentioned some of the stuff that was there already, which is really cool and very uh, thoughtful. So Aaron, thank you so much for the time and I can't wait to see you again at another conference. We seem to keep running into each other now and uh, I, I like it because you're awesome. So thank you, Aaron. For those of you who are listening, if you wanna check out the show notes and the resources and everything mentioned in this particular episode, just head on over to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 189. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash session 189. You can get the link for Aaron's stuff there too. Guys, I've, I've really been enjoying this podcast, and I will continue to do it in the future for you. I know a lot of you have taken the information that I've shared here, the interviews that we've done uh, with other experts and other people, and, and have actually taken action with it. And I just love you for that. I, I'm so thankful that I have an audience who uh, is actually not just learning, but learning and putting things into place to make change in their lives and the lives of others, too. I mean, we're all here to serve other people, I hope. Um, but... I know a lot of you also need a little bit more help. Uh, I've been getting messages left and right from people who have been asking for more and, and deeper information about certain things. So what I've done is that I've actually put together a number of courses, and there's more courses coming in the future, thanks to your recommendations. If you go to smartpassiveincome.com courses, you'll see a list of the courses that are currently available there or that you can sign up for the waitlist for. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com courses. Check it out. Thank you again for listening in today. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to serving you in the next episode because we have somebody who, who's been really, really requested here on SPI to come on the podcast. This is Brian Harris from videofruit.com. I hope you're excited because he drops some incredible knowledge bombs, as Chris Ducker would say. And uh, it, it's going to be one of those episodes with a ton of actionable content that um, is probably going to be talked about for quite a while. So look forward to that in episode 190. Until then, Again, you can check out the show notes for this episode at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 189. And again, because it's so close to Thanksgiving right now, I just want to take a moment and say thank you. You're amazing. I appreciate you. Take care. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive
0: Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.